Hey, just a note, if you are joining us for the first time right now, I suggest you go back a couple and start with the first two stanzas of William Wordsworth's Ode. Hello, this is Jeff Windsor, and this is Lucky Words, a podcast where we talk about culture, art, and a good deal of poetry, ideally all while we're outdoors doing something cool. standing in a meadow in the Uinta National Forest and just a minute ago I was standing and there was an American goldfinch just probably five feet from my head singing its head off and I sat and watched him for five minutes at least just watched him and listened to him and I don't know if he was looking at me but I was just staring at him I gotta get out of the wind but he sat and was singing and singing, and I thought, oh, i got to record right here. So I set my bag down to get out my stuff, and he flew away. So, here I am, standing in a meadow in the Uinta National Forest, just a few feet from where an American goldfinch used to be singing. Doesn't matter. I'm still going to read another section from William Wordsworth's Ode Intimations on Immortality. So picking up where we left off last time, in the third and fourth stanzas, he glories in what he sees now, and then there is a turn in the last few lines where he encounters one thing that sends him remembering that there was something that he once had but now is lost, something that he could see and can see no more. He says, But there's a tree, of many one, a single field which I have looked upon, both of them speak of something that is gone. The pansy at my feet doth the same tale repeat. So it's the something that is gone that the tree brings back to him. So I'm going to read the last two lines of the fourth stanza and then continue on. The last two lines are questions. Whither is fled the visionary gleam? Where is it now, the glory and the dream? Our birth is but a sleep and a forgetting. The soul that rises with us, our life's star, hath had elsewhere its setting and cometh from afar, not in entire forgetfulness and not in utter nakedness, but trailing clouds of glory do we come from God, who is our home. Heaven lies about us in our infancy. Shades of the prison house begin to close upon the growing boy. But he beholds the light, and whence it flows, he sees it in its joy. The youth who daily farther from the east must travel still is nature's priest, and by the vision splendid is on his way attended. At length the man perceives it die away and fade into the light of common day. Earth fills her lap with pleasures of her own, yearning she hath in her own natural kind. And, even with something of a mother's mind and no unworthy aim, the homely nurse doth all she can to make her foster child, her inmate, man, forget the glories he hath known, and that imperial palace whence he came. 
If you are a Latter-day Saint, you have heard some of these lines quoted all of your life over and over in a discussion of the pre-mortal existence, as if to say, check it out, Wordsworth knew what he was talking about. But Wordsworth did not know what he was talking about. This is not an affirmation of an understanding of a pre-mortal existence. This is Wordsworth being metaphorical. But you know what? Who cares what Wordsworth intended? Wordsworth is dead, and what he intended is completely immaterial. We get to decide what the poem means, not Wordsworth. A poet's intentions are to us as immaterial as something entirely immaterial. I don't know. We don't care what a poet's intentions or what he meant to say, what his or her actual beliefs are, what her life was like. Yeah, that might be interesting. It might add some flavor, but that doesn't need to color whether or not something is or isn't good or what it might or might not mean. What I care about is what the poem itself supports. And even in the context of the poem, he's mostly talking about a metaphorical state here that our birth is but a sleep and a forgetting. He's really pointing to that once we are born, there is something that children see things and they can joy and rejoice in things. He is specifically talking about nature here, but it can be expanded out to much more than just nature. The children, young children, have a freshness and an innocence and a glory, and they see things differently than adults do. And he is seeing the change that adults have as a negative state. You've lost something that cannot be regained. Notice halfway through the fifth stanza, shades of the prison house begin to close upon the growing boy. The shade and the prison, the older he gets, the darker it gets and the more imprisoned he becomes. There is freedom in innocence and childhood that you lose as you get older. There at the end of that stanza, at length the man perceives it, that is, the ability to see all of the glory of nature. At length man perceives it die away and fade into the light of common day. He loses its dying, its fading, Notice it fades into the light, which is an unusual move. Typically something fades into darkness, but this is a fade into light of common day. Day isn't this total awfulness, although he does earlier, of course, refer to it as shade and darkness and prison. The sixth stanza is really interesting where he sees earth as separate from nature. Earth in her lap with pleasures of her own yearning she hath in her own natural kind. The pleasures of earth, what we might think of as being society or the world or civilization or responsibility, he says, doth all she can to make her foster child her inmate. Again, a recollection of the prison imagery in the previous stanza. Doth all she can to make her foster child her inmate man forget the glories he hath known and that imperial palace whence he came. Earth tries to make man forget his glory that he can see when he is born. So there is a transition happening in these two stanzas. 
We are born in glory with perfect vision to be able to see in perfection the reality of the wonderfulness around us. And as we age, our vision dims. We lose the ability to see that. It contracts. We get imprisoned in what the earth, what the world, what others have for us. We will see that continue in the stanza that follows. But for right now, we're going to wrap it up, and I'm going to reread for you the last couple of lines of the fourth stanza, and then the fifth and sixth stanzas of Wordsworth's Ode. But there is a tree of many one, a single field which I have looked upon. Both of them speak of something that is gone. The pansy at my feet doth the same tale repeat. Whither is fled the visionary gleam? Where is it now, the glory and the dream? Our birth is but a sleep and a forgetting. Our soul that rises with us, our life star, hath had elsewhere its setting and cometh from afar. Not in entire forgetfulness and not in utter nakedness, but trailing clouds of glory do we come from God who is our home. Heaven lies about us in our infancy. Shades of the prison house begin to close upon the growing boy. But he beholds the light, and whence it flows, he sees it in his joy. The youth, who daily farther from the east must travel, still is nature's priest. And by the vision splendid is on his way attended, at length the man perceives it die away, and fade into the light of common day. Earth fills her lap with pleasures of her own, yearnings she hath with her own natural kind. And even with something of a mother's mind and no unworthy aim, the homely nurse doth all she can to make her foster child, her inmate, man, forget the glories he hath known and that imperial palace whence he came. 